So we did a memory test, and you told me 27 words, and then I have to remember them in order. Yeah. Well, you have to remember the three specific ones that I said the clue words before. Right. The fourth one, and then you had to remember the other ones. The other 27. All right, right. so here we go. I think I need to do this. In the order that you said them, you told me Rod, Johnson, Wiener, Cock, Penis, Dick, Dicks. Hmm. Cockrod, mm-hmm. staff, member, uh, meat stick, uh, rowdy Roddy Pied Piper, uh, big fan, Goose Island, mm-hmm. uh, the meld, which I thought was really creative, and then you just said cock like fourteen times. Right after that, yeah, and that was yeah. the list. Yeah, cock 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 cock. How'd I do? <laughs> Uh, you missed Richard. No! I gotta let you go. I gotta let you go. (laughs) Damn Who knows? My memory's gone to shit. Who knows what's going on here today? Oh, that storm's starting up. Mm -hmm. Good time to read a creepypasta story, It's a little spooky outside. A little spookies. We're working our way up to October. You know that stuff is happening. The spooks are coming out. What's happening in October? The spooks are coming out. Is that a band? October. It's Halloween time. Oh, Halloween. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You coming to my party again this year? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a baller time. Lit as fuck. Oh, we got really fucked up last year. Were you there for Secret Hitler? Were you in on Secret Hitler? I was fucking so gone so fast. <laughs> everyone everyone was starting to pass the point of, like, no return, and I was like, well, it's time for me to get the fuck out of here. Oh, so you dipped. I dipped. You dipped at a good time. I was like the second or third person. It was still post shot. Yeah. Took, you took the shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. took the shot. You played the, some ball. The actual shot. You had some conversations. I remember you talking to Punxsutawney Trill in the kitchen with Tenron Otrin for yep. probably like an hour. I did. <laughs> I, did I did do that. Hmm. If there are two people who can talk your fucking ear off, it's definitely both of them. Yeah. For in sure. a good way. I love talkative people. Obviously, oh, I have I a podcast. I was thinking in a shit way. Oh, okay. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys, right? <laughs> Fuck those guys. Fuck both of them and their cute little faces. So, Django. Django! I'm I'm here with Django Phillips. This is Lots of Pasta. Uh, this is episode 215. Wow. Does that sound fun? Uh, 215. Is that a fun number? Your first one was four. So, like, in conjunction to four, like, how does 215 make you feel? Uh, 215 is pretty good. It makes me feel like I never thought that I'd still be doing this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) That's, that's what you mean, yeah. I, um, I often have these, these moments where I'm talking to, like, frowns. And we just we just start laughing uncontrollably at something stupid one of us said. 
And it immediately takes me back to several episodes on the podcast with Frowns. And I can't help but think, like, they're in that moment, like, ten years ahead of time. Like, what episode am I on? <laughs> That's true. Because I, I don't, like... I don't see a reason to stop the show. No. And if anything, more people keep asking to come on it. So I'm like, trajectory is fine. It's not for lack of interest. Um, I have been very tired lately, though. (laughs) (laughs) I am very tired. Uh, At this point, Dead Space is probably coming out on the YouTube. I played through... All three of the Dead Space games with Mr. Skellybones, and it's basically like listening to a commentary track as we hand the controller off. Right. And then the third one, we're playing online together. You know about Nicole, right? You know the, you know the deal, right? With Nicole. What? You know that in Dead Space, the first one. Yeah. What's What's your point? You know. You know. You know. You played all three of them. I have. So you know. I don't know what you're doing right, right now, yeah, but I'm yeah, too yeah. high to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He knows. He knows. That she's dead? Oh! <gasps> yes. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, how dare I spoil a... A 20-year-old, 12-year-old <laughs> game. <laughs> Maybe more. No, it's definitely more. No, yeah. it's, it's, Almost. it's not 20 years old. I'd say 14, maybe. Yeah, probably. But anyway, um... That's probably coming out on the YouTube right now. You're watching the first one, hopefully. Um, It's fun because we are just talking the entire time, but if you've never played the game before, it's going to be an awful thing to watch because we literally talk over the narrative the entire time. Horrible. Um, Not that there is much of a narrative because it's all stereotypes. Nicole is dead. (laughs) So Kendra's a traitor. Spartacus dies. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. It was Snape. <laughs> Great. Snape did it. Snape is the half-blood prince. He did it. Oh, my God. Um, And then we have... Um, he always loved Harry Potter. Secretly, he always loved Harry. And then we have... Uh, Dead Space is going to be starting now, but finishing at Halloween. Okay. So I'm, I'm very excited for people to see Dead Space 1. Obviously, that means we're going to show you Dead Space 2 at some time later, where I can get some sleep back and then try doing it again. <laughs> Uh, really fun time, and uh, so that's been one half of my schedule. Uh, the other half of my schedule, the big highlight of uh, this season so far, I think, is motherfucking Sin Eater. Let me tell you a let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a fucking story about Sin Eater real quick. While I edit these episodes, I genuinely listen to them and enjoy listening to them, and then when I am editing them and putting a backing track I am specifically looking for things and specifically timing things to happen in different ways and I hope you've been paying attention to that because there's some very fun musical moments that kind of happen at opportune times um I'm not going to say like I'm I'm a director or I'm orchestrating that or anything but I definitely played it I played it up a little bit on parts one and two. This is part three. We are on Sin Eater part three. Um, there's only one more after this, so Whoa. we are allowed to say penultimate. Shit. Um, Penis ultimate. And 
I gotta say, even when I'm listening to it with the music track behind it, I get chills. I love listening to this shit. You, oh, it gets it gets a little spooky. Whereas I listen to like a Frowns episode and I'm not even paying attention. Wow, I'm playing, I'm playing Fallout Four and I'm just wow. I'm listening for any of us to drop a name and I'm like, better edit that out. You can't drag them like that, man. I I'm gonna. Ooh. <laughs> Everyone loves Frowns. They That's know true. I'm. They That's know true. I'm just giving him shit. Um, but Sin Eater has been a huge highlight and it's also been. Uh, a huge highlight in the number rankings because these are some of the most listened to we've had in a while. Um, so people people like this shit, and so do I. I'm just here to agree. And uh, Django, how are you feeling about Sin Eater? Feel great. Uh, You're feeling better than before. I would say before you were you were thinking that it wasn't going to pay off. Part one, I was like, "Whoa, who wrote this? Captain Farts?" And then part two. <laughs> Part two, I really... That's not my name. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't saying you. I'm saying somebody else. And then part two, I was like, wow, this is pretty decent. So now in part three, I'm ready to get the full erection. And in part four... I'm gonna come. I'm ready to arrive. I'm gonna fall asleep. I can arrive and then fall asleep. Yeah, so let's do a quick recap. Just because it, it always helps for both of us sure. to remember... And, and the audience to remember where we're at over over the alternating episodes. We find ourselves with our Sin Eater on a remote island in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle where she has been requested by a German prison owner to eat the sins of those dangerous members on this prison's death row. Um, yes, it sounds as outlandish as that just sounds so buckle up and um she she's there with an ensemble of people whose names i don't quite remember but Book. but they have fun voices which is the reason why That's we're doing point. this yep. and um i think i think nestor nestor might be the crow or he has the crow or he has the crow yeah. i forget which one is which um, the German prison owner, uh, he's just German. Herr Dunkelstaft. You're, you're going to get it at some point. Herr Dunkelstaft. Uh, and then the nun, the nun herself is, is, is uh, developing into character. We're finding some, some of her trauma. Right. Um, some of, some of her family Definitely issues. a demon. You're still De leaning on that. <laughs> you're still leaning on that. I'm not going to let you die on that hill because it might fucking happen. <laughs> so, um, Definitely a demon. So the sins that she's eaten so far, in, in part one, uh, it was lust. We had mm. a, uh, a fat mama in the South Witches. who uh, basically caramelized people and ate them. And um, she, she was lusting after their, their sultry meats. <laughs> and uh, so, so she got eaten as her sin. Um, in part two, we had uh, conjoined siblings, or at least fucked up siblings that sewed themselves together, um, and then murdered people and stole their parts and sewed it to them. So they were kind of like multiple people in one, kind of like a legion thing going on. Um, they were greed because they were they were greeding on 
people's parts and stuff. They wanted, like, you know, the the sister would look at, like, a woman's lips and be like, I'm going to kill that person and steal their lips. And then the other guy would be like, I like that person's eyes, so I'd steal their eyes. And, you know, just kept, you know, dovetailing from that basic idea. Uh, They died by being ripped the fuck apart (laughs) manually by two demons. Um the uh, third one was Envy, which I uh, did in like a, I don't know, like a Jason Statham type of accent. Yeah. And uh, he he was kind of like an incel cuck lord. <laughs> and yep. and he um, just murdered people uh, for, for what they had because he was jealous of what they had. He was Envy. Um, he died by being like melted. He like he like got acid washed on him because that's kind of what he he like existed off of other people's shit so they like just fucking eviscerated him I don't know um and then the last one we did was sloth um which was fun because this is like our first character moment right which was at the end of episode two yes where we find out that Nell's mom might be associated to a cult and it might be where these powers are coming into play. Uh, not not so sure. Willing and excited to find out what's going on there. But um, she died by being pulled apart uh, piece by piece, limb from limb, and shoved into the portal to hell. As you do. As it happens for, for being uh, sloth. Apparently that's a terrible enough sin that you'll get pulled apart. <laughs> I am stoned and I didn't even smoke real weed. Is it because of my blunt? Because no. Because it was powerful. No, it's because I'm a little bitch boy. And it's powerful. The fucking your shit is powerful. I can tell from you. Cuckoo! <laughs> so anyway, we are uh, moving on to sin number five. Uh, as always, Django's favorite pr- uh, prediction is that Nell is a fucking demon or evil or some shit. And, uh, I don't know, uh, my prediction is that, uh, shit's just gonna continue getting worse. (laughs) That's base level prediction, is, uh, things have already taken a bad turn, and I imagine they're going to continue going downhill, because this is no sleep, and that's what happens. So as the rain begins to pick up outside your window, (laughs) I want you to light that blunt. I want you to oh, grab that snack. I am lighting that book. I want you to turn off... I can't off, eat on the podcast, Turn though. off the lights, grab that weighted blanket, and, and let's settle in for a tale. And fall asleep. <laughs> Go to sleep now. <laughs> right now. Oh, great. <laughs> You're listening to Lore <laughs> on Amazon Prime Listening. I don't know what it's called. Just kidding. You're listening to lots of pasta. I need to stop smoking weed because we have a story to read. But by all means, you continue doing that. Django tells me I'm fucked up. He says he's feeling it. I got to put more in the atmosphere. Um, We're moving on to sin number five, which is gluttony, which I've only like, this is the one that makes me think of seven. Like, this is this is the one like because that guy just like he died from being force fed like Chef Boyardee <laughs> like <laughs> out of all of the sins to remember from that movie the fat guy in the chair who's just like head is in a plate of pasta <laughs> like that's definitely yeah 
the one for me. Um, gluttony as a sin, because <laughs> we've been comparing them, is just uh, food greed. <laughs> yeah, it's food greed. <laughs> it's food greed. And it makes sense for why it was a sin back in the day, but it's still stupid. It's still, it's still stupid that almost all of the sins come down to greed. It's just like a different version right. of wanting what someone else has, right. even the thought of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or, yeah, like that idea of the, the sins being reductive, or like even like pride. Like all these sins you presumably do because you have an inflated uh, sense of self-worth. You know what I mean? That's the opposite side of the coin. It's either I don't have worth and I want what other people's worth is. Okay. Or it's I have worth and that's just as bad. Right. <laughs> like, th- there's no gray area. Yeah. <laughs> you're fucked either way. There, When you're born, it's one side of this coin or the other. Right. <laughs> and um, only some of the sins fall on certain sides, I think. Um gluttony falls on the greed side because it's like whether or not you have enough doesn't matter because you you continue to consume Mm -hmm. gluttony is is it it makes me think of when they would have those parties in like the early like 1800s where people would just go and drink and eat and then a person would walk around with like a fucking bucket and all the fucking fancies would throw up in the bucket like, that's been around since, like, Roman times, I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, it's a very common misconception that the word vomitorium means a place where people would congregate and vomit. It actually just means the entrance of your exit is from a coliseum. I'm sorry. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. A, vo- a vomitorium just means a place where a lot of people, a vomit of people, can all walk at the same time. So it's a big entrance to a shared space. So you don't think there were ever parties where people ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and I'm not, threw up? I'm not saying that. I'm saying right now, one of our listeners <laughs> is a 14-year-old girl. I don't know about that. Who's think really, about your target audience. <laughs> hold on. Who's really hung up on the meaning of the word vomitorium. And we just made their day. I hope you go back... Uh, 15 years in the past and thank yourself because you are that little girl. Thank you. I was that little girl. Gluttony is the act of digging a grave with your own teeth. Um, fun, fun kind of wordplay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Makes sense. But at the same time, not really. <laughs> not really at all. No. Um, if you're good at gluttony, you can, yeah. Right. 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 Uh, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Uh, I'll fucking start. You will be the basic words, including now. I will do most other things. Yes. Oh, you didn't read any of that yet. Nell and Buck. Yeah, you can read both of those. Hell yeah. My name is Nell Lockwood. And if you're just joining us, I'm the last Sin Eater. You're not. I'm not? No, no, you're not just joining us. You've obviously listened to the other two episodes first. Right. I hope so. You can find out more about me here. And I presume <laughs> this was a hyperlink. It's, it's not. It's just come to where we're at right now. Right and that's now. the only time you'll get this. It's the only opportunity you have to find out more. I just dealt with the subtle evil that was Sloth. Subtle. Now I'm on my way to dealing with a far more pressing issue. Someone taking my friends hostage and holding them to ransom. That happened. Do you like this read? 
Do you it's, like this kind of? I uh, do like okay, it. Okay, right. you have you're having yeah. fun. <laughs> the wait in the elevator was oh, excruciating. It had always been long, but it had always been this, this. long. <laughs> Again, visually doesn't carry over. <laughs> I couldn't tell, but with every passing floor and stream of light rushing through the tube window, my anxiety built upon itself. The elevator may as well have been filled up with water to my neck for how much I paced, thrashed, and ruminated on the spot. After an age, the doors cluttered open, and I stormed towards Central, a stoic warden waiting for me with his sleeves up and hands in his pockets. Ah, Frau Lockwood! Danke for getting here so quickly. I was most concerned you'd be held I up by- I past him to the view in front of me. A large plexiglass screen that displayed the carnage down below in an extra large enclosure. Bodies on pikes split open and hollowed out of their organs. Hell yeah. Teeth smashed inwards to the gums. Noses removed from faces. That's just silly. And barely any living soul amid the sea of inmates ripped to pieces. Because that's just like a got your nose joke gone wrong. (laughs) That is, of course, aside from the man situated at the end of a great circular table. He was gigantic, but not in the way Tallulah, the woman who represented lust, was. His weight Number one. was, for the most part, distributed better. I wonder what that means. Thighs were like tree means trunks. Not fat. not fat. Thighs were like tree trunks. Arms, great hulking amorphous bulges of muscle. His barrel chest stretching out to double my own width. A great beard flowing down to his navel. Hello. <laughs> his stomach shivered and rumbled incessantly as he took mounds of food from his plate and shoveled them into a huge mouth, making horrific sounds with his mouth. Vile lips smacking and tongue licking. The a worst bit. ASMR Ugh. you've ever heard. Against the vestiges of food in his mouth without care or concern for decorum. Despite the window, I could hear every bite down, every chew, swallow, and spittle. But it was when I saw his plate that the fear sit in, knowing full well that this one was going to be different to the others. It was stained in a dark blood, a piece of leg still uneaten but barely anything left amid the surrounding bones. He peered down with frustration at the bones, pushing his chair back to walk over to a poor soul on a makeshift pike in the corner. Thankfully, not impaled yet, yet, but instead chained to it by the top, partially obscured by the poor lighting. Uh, okay. A low northern English voice called Yeah, out. you know, just that low northern English. You got 60 seconds to get down here, or I take a piece of him for my protein workout. The low northern English voice called out, his massive fist reaching for the person's leg. As they resisted, I saw Nestor's defiant eyes look up at me and shake his head. Don't! He just wants you for... Blood streamed from his stomach as sharp claws dug in and took a pound of flesh, the larger man holding it above holding it above his widening jaws and swallowing in one go, a small trickle of blood rushing down his chin. Wait, did Nestor just die? Is Nestor on the pike? Yeah. Fuck. Shit. Uh, time's already started, love. Hurry up. I turned on my heel and made a beeline for the stairs as the warden walked in with me, shoving a document into my hands. Inmate number 5933 is Cyril Monks, 
former underground fighting champion and dealer of a killer drug, Thanatos. He's a master manipulator and takes what he wants. I do not advise you go in there without our usual protection, Frau Lockwood. The risks it poses you and the prison are substantial. He pleaded, barely keeping pace with me as we reached the final hallway connecting us to Monk's cell. Fuck the risks, fuck the prison. He wants a face-to-face -face interview, he'll get one. He should know not to under underestimate any of us. I'll look to you to take a shot if anything goes wrong, Warden. I looked at him, a reassuring grin on my face. I didn't get this far by being a pretty face. I can gut a motherfucker if I need to. Ooh. <laughs> he swallowed and nodded. I liked that. Ooh. Because now we're going full B-movie. Yeah. Before, we were just, like, on the cusp. The priest <laughs> and the nun back for revenge. When I turned I can back... I a motherfucker. <laughs> for the briefest of moments, I saw something on the leftmost guard. His hat drew down low and a salute as we walked past towards the door. At least I thought it was a salute. His fingers were drawn at the brim of his hat, but something was off. There weren't the usual four with the thumb tucked in. He lifted his head, and for a split second, a hand drew down, and in front of me, a familiar, maniacal grin plastered on his face that burned its way into my skull, the number on his hand doing just the same as I passed through to the enclosure. Three. Oh my god, so creepy. So creepy. So creepy. <laughs> it's a creepy poster. Ah, that's ah. fun. I mean, Nestor is probably dead, right? I think that's what hand, they said, but... He got a hand in his gut. Oh, okay. It's, I, I can see the, the rest of the page. The first scent I picked up was iron. Blood. So much blood and viscera around me. It was impossible not to end the bones. I imagine this is the guy. Yeah. They had me waiting with some lower-risk inmates. Thought because I was on good behavior that I'd do my bit to get better privileges. Even gave me visitation for nine years of no incidents. Imagine their shock when I started pulling limbs from bodies. Cunts never stood a chance. Bless them. He rested back on the chair, his makeshift lunch table spattered with blood. Come on, take a seat. We've got much to discuss. I looked at the back end of the room and saw Buck and Nestor on either side, both bloodied and beaten, but not dead or mortally wounded. All right. Right. Breathing a small sigh of relief, I sat down on the opposite end and put my papers down, prepping to introduce myself. You know who I am. I know who you are. So let's not pussyfoot around, eh? I have a way of doing things, and you are no exception, Miss Lockwood. If we do this, it's on my terms. He breezed through my introduction as if it was nothing, pulling a dumbbell from the floor and flexing as he spoke. I will ask you a series of questions and if you answer the way I want you to you can ask one back answer wrong and he threw his hand back thumb pointed towards my two boys I'll take a piece of them literally my hands shook 
and I felt a lump in my throat. He wasn't joking. Reluctantly, I smiled and nodded, not enjoying the lack of control I had over the situation. Good. So, what can you tell me about your upbringing, Nelly? He leaned back in his chair, imposing frame bearing down on the rickety joints and hands folded over his stomach. First, eleven years of my life were good. Things were simple at home, but pleasant. Mom worked hard and was always busy, but never stopped making time for me, no matter what it was. Bakery, nature walks, finding and identifying the animals in the woods nearby or whatever else. Mom never stopped trying. Then I turned 12 and things began to change. I pursed my lips, those painful memories rising to the surface. Arguments, slam doors, misunderstandings. Typical teenage things that are supposed to be fractals in your life, not the final definitive moments of your last days with your mother. Well, things were never the same after that. Then one day she told me to stay at home while she took a work call. Never came back, and I was looked after by my grandparents. And here we are. I shrugged and shook my head, hating that I was telling all of this to the animal in the prison. Good. Good. You seem to get it. Ask away. He chuckled, finishing his rep and going on to the other arm. What drove you to being this way? How does a legitimate bodybuilder and family man, according to your file, begin distributing a powerful new drug and tearing people limb from limb? I furtively scanned over the notes, determined not to take my eyes off of him for too long. He smiled, bright white teeth stained with red. Adiphagia. Or Addy, if you know her. I tore my ACL and MCL. Doc said it'd take 18 months to get back to any kind of work. That meant watching my colleagues progress beyond me, get bigger and stronger, achieve all the shit that was mine to achieve. Less money, less power, less interest. He shook his head, getting up and grabbing a pair of human spines on the floor with some rope attached, using it as a macabre skipping rope as he carried on talking. I got sick of it. My anger and desire grew into something more, and I overheard some boys talking about this new kind of steroid. Thanatos. Fuckers said it was reawakening in the system, but you had to know the right people to get it. I may have been on crutches, but I still beat the silly cunts until they gave up the info. Met the guy in a supermarket car park at 4am, paid him what I had left of my savings, and he dashed off, barely seeing his face in all the excitement. That's where things... Changed. He finished skipping, the scraping of the vertebrae on the floor making me nauseous. A thick, pungent golden mist began forming around his body, but he paid it no mind if he knew it was there. Your turn. Can you smell and taste your own sins? Do you know what lurks deep within your soul? He chuckled, grabbing a handful of meat from under the table opening his mouth before closing it and looking at me quizzically. Oh, you don't mind if I dine while we whine. <laughs> Shoving it in his mouth with those abhorrent mukbang sounds even louder as I spoke. 
a lot of people have asked that, but the truth is I sense nothing. Whenever I go into meditation and focus on myself, I can smell, taste, feel nothing of my own sins, though I know they're there. He shoved his chair firmly away from the table, scowling as he walked over to Buck, holding out his hand at the wrist. Buck was barely conscious as his head rocked around from the jerking motion. I warned you about Lionelli. He hissed, roaring as he bit down hard on Buck's entire hand, severing it at the bone as a blood-curdling scream rang out. Cyril doing nothing but savoring the bites and singing the same pitch as Buck's pain-addled yells. I drew my knife, hot blood running through my veins. I will fucking end you right here and now. But he sat down, acting as if all he'd ever done was kick over a chair, shaking his head and savoring the last bites of Buck's hand and fingers, crushed between diamond-strength molars. Nope. You won't. I'm not interested in anything that isn't my own, but I value my life above any of your sad little existences. You so much as get within five feet and I will bite more desirable parts of Buck off. Then start at Nestor's legs. Not only are you going to tell me the truth on your last statement, but you're going to answer another question as penance. So, try again. I cracked another beer and then slammed the table, <laughs> yelling, <laughs> and trying to catch my breath, failing in the process. I... Yes. Yes, okay. I, I once saw my sin. It was cloaked in black, smelled of my mother's cooking, and tasted of nothing. It had a total absence. But I could see it, and it was... It looked like the thing that plagues... Your nightmares. Yes. I know. Thank you. Do you love Buck? He said, licking his lips and walking over to a pair of intact corpses hanging from the rafters, punching them as if they were sides of beef to practice boxing on. Swift, precise punches raining down on the poor souls. Anger gave way to embarrassment and a slew of complex emotions. My initial response was to ask how that was his business, to deflect or give a half-answer, but that wouldn't do. This was not a time for complacency or half-measures. With everything I hold dear, but not just a romantic love, a love that transcends the physical. He was my mentor as a young woman. He treated me like an equal, and he looks to me for advice now. He's everything to me which makes what you did a moment ago that much more egregious in my eyes. I paused, taking a breath and resigning to deal with the aftermath later, thankful in part that Buck had passed out from shock, so I was spared the embarrassment. Aww. Now, tell me what brought you here in full. Left hook, right hook, uppercut, knee to the groin. Cyril Monk was incessant in his onslaught, as if he had something to prove. I tried Thanatos that night. First dosage straight to the veins, and it sent a surge through my body that I swear gave me a bloody heart attack. When my senses returned, I was clearly out of it. 
stood in this great marble hall that had statues of the greatest warriors and baddest motherfuckers living or dead. At the end, Addy stood. Huge woman, muscled and big in all the right places. Stronger than I could ever hope to be. Big jaws on her stomach and a tail the size of my entire body with a hungry mouth at the end. She told me if I could defeat seven other men, take something from them, and defeat her, she would help me ascend to that true state of power, of dominance, not a single thing out of my grasp. He volleyed off one last right hook, the ribs of the body caving in and blood spraying all over his face. He lapped it up with zest. Was easy enough to beat them when I had motivation and a controlled dosage of Thanatos. Even got to such good terms with the guy who sold it to me. I distributed it for him as his muscle. Few fights later, we had desperate dope fiends with a lot of strength and no money. So the fight game was born. Another way to take and grow. He walked over the table, his stomach growling as he clutched it, the thick yellow aura growing on his body. But I began to crave food. Started out simple enough, get a takeaway or an extra meal prep, but then my stomach started rejecting it, refusing all but one thing that rested at my feet with every fight. Flesh. His eyes grew wide and manic, pupils enlarging before he coughed and reached under the table for another helping of some poor person's still warm corpse. I made him sign a contract with me before fighting that not only was it to the death, but I could take whatever I wanted if I won. Desperate little cunts were all too eager to sign themselves away. Few choice shots to vital organs. They'd go down and be in that beautiful state between the world and the next. Unable to fight back, but hearts still pumping hot blood out. Delicious. And one of those bodies became your undoing, I assume. I pressed, but he held a hand up. Not your turn. Tell me, what was on that paper? He said it so matter-of-factly that the obvious nearly passed me by. But that was... How did you... I breathed. He seemed willing to permit this surprise as he leaned forward and pulled something from his plate, holding it up to my face. A black feather. A little birdie told me. Seems he was watching you from afar to protect you. When he heard his papa was here, he went on ahead to protect him and got caught. I tell you, not a big fan of chicken, but I'll go off menu once in a while. 
He bellowed with laughter as tears filled my eyes. I asked you a question, Nelly. I won't let you avoid it again. All I could see was Edgar. His laughing, constant interruptions, rude quips, and that lasting image of him curled up in Nestor's arms, softly calling and saying Papa over and over. No, no, I had to press it down and push on. I had to. I had to for him. The daughter of the high priestess brings the dawn with her and the dusk in her absence. The cycle will renew. The cycle will ring anew at her hands. Her offering is that of eternal servitude to guide others. E dolore, magna gloria. The thick aura began slithering its way down Cyril's body and rapturing his muscles and his barrel chest. The smell of sulfur and burnt lard began making my eyes water, but I moved past it, pausing to catch my breath and asking a question, burning in the back of my skull. Why did you want this to be face to face, Cyril? He rose up out of his seat, and instead of maneuvering to another body or exercise machine, he took strides towards me and reached out an arm, a hand as big as my face coming ever closer. For a moment, I thought he was going to smash me into the wall, pick me up and devour me, or worse. But instead, his large digits brushed the side of my face, and his deadened eyes glazed over, a soft smile covering his face. Because I wanted to prove to you that I can get what I want, one way or another. His fingers found their way to my throat and tightened around it with ease, veins pumping on his wrist as he lifted me off the ground with barely any effort. I was seeing spots within seconds, his blurry expression changing back to that of pure malice and hunger. Do you fear me, Nelly? His voice cooed. This close, I could see the aura undulating around him, shaking to the very touch. I blinked twice and tried to nod, barely able to make any proper movement save for the errant kicking of my legs, desperate to find footing. He smiled and dropped me in a heap. I gasped for air and felt my windpipe against the wall of my throat. He definitely considered just killing me there and then. He took his seat and looked at something behind me. Looks like it's almost time. Last question, Nelly. Make it a good one. I thought on what he told me, how he got injured, the drug abuse and eventual supply, fighting and devouring pieces of his opponents, and then I remembered something on the paper that the warden gave me, something that turned my stomach. What happened the night you were captured, Cyril? They say you were not but skin and bones, shaking and convulsing from the drug, you must have gotten to the size in here, no? Tell me how you came to be one of the most feared men in this prison. I was shaking, adrenaline pumping through me, terrified out of my mind as neurons fired to think of other ways to stall or escape. But this was it. I had to stick to it. Monks seemed to consider my question, looking down at his hands and frowning before getting up and pacing the far corner. I'd grown accustomed to taking pieces of my trophies home. What wasn't offered to add aphasia in that drug-fueled realm was kept for my own enjoyment. But I needed to find a more efficient way of eating at home. My wife was becoming suspicious of my constant eating out and 
I hoped by bringing them into that world, they'd accept it and see the good it did me. So, I offered to cook one evening for the whole family, whole spread on, just to show my love and appreciation. They ate it all with relish, said it was succulent meat and very Moorish. I was overjoyed, so much so that I told them what it was there and then. He turned back to me, genuine sadness in his eyes. Things didn't go as planned. My wife lost her senses, began screaming about how I wasn't the kind, considerate, driven man I was before the accident. Couldn't recognize me anymore in that she was leaving. My wife was... Different to other people, I couldn't lay a finger on her. So when she said she needed some space with the kids, I gave it to her. Went upstairs to think, knew she couldn't very well tell the police anything that'd implicate her and risk losing the kids. He stopped pacing, shoulders heaving under the weight of his words. I must have been on a come down from Thanatos because I passed out and saw Adaphasia again, laughing at me. Each of the mouths on her stomach and tail laughing in kind, mocking me and biting at my torn muscles. When I woke up, I saw smoke in the house. Following it to the garage, my wife and children were in the car, eyes open and staring into the ether, dead. She'd left four words on a furiously scribbled note in the kitchen. Never forgive. Never forget. He sighed and shook his head, pinching his nose. I tried to OD on Thanatos that night, stood before Adaphasia with no tributes left and no more ways to climb those hallowed steps. She looked on me with pity and said when I awoke, I'd have a new purpose. Capture and kill the greatest warrior I'd ever face. Nell fucking Lockwood. So here we are, at the end of it all. No more sins for you to speak to. I'm your last stop. He walked towards me. The surrounding aura was nearly fully over his body and I was out of time. That's when a thought hit me. You ate Edgar, didn't you, Mr. Mux? Swallowed him whole with no further thought? I couldn't help but feel a smile ripple across my face. He stopped, dumbfounded. I told you that already, Nelly. I also told you no more questions, so you'll have the pleasure of seeing more suffering before it's over. He made a beeline for Buck when I burst out laughing. It was a genuine, elated laugh that comes after you find something you lost, and the anger, grief, and anxiety gives way. You, you stupid man. You really think he's dead, don't you? That the things you eat disappear and you don't have to deal with them anymore. God, I... 
<laughs> so stupid for not even realizing it sooner. I laughed harder, tears in my eyes. His face fell and lips parted to show gritted teeth. What the fuck do you know, eh? I've taken this meeting where I wanted it to go. I will have your flesh before this is all said and done. What does it matter if he's alive or dead? <laughs> it, it matters plenty, Mr. Monks. You ate a creature in servitude to Lady Death. You ate something that, while innocuous, is not from this world. He's pernicious, irritating, rude, and at times downright a pain in my ass. But he's also a member of this group and full of many surprises. I'd also wager he's very hungry right now. Surprise you haven't felt him rummaging around in there, to be honest, but you will when I call out his name. I felt a surge of power and malice run through me as if I had the whole world in my hands. I took confident steps in front of his towering mass of muscle and saw him grow pale, shaking hands clutching at his stomach as it began to twist and gurgle. <laughs> Edgar Allan Crow. <laughs> I bellowed watching this powerful man double over in agony on the floor at the mere mention, pain moans coming from his mouth as he bent over. Ow. I'll never forgive Nestor for giving them that fucking name. I hissed under my breath, walking around Cyril like a lioness in front of her prey. P Please! Not like this! He whimpered, drill running down his beard with blood. Whatever Edgar was doing, it was efficient. I pulled him up by his beard to look at me, ushering him to lean back onto his knees and placing my hand on his face the exact same way he did to me. Do you know what the... Oh... <laughs> Oh, do you know what they call a flock of crows, Mr. Cyril? I asked, placing one hand behind his head, the other pulling my serrated blade from my belt, driving it in the left of his belly and drawing it across the length with a powerful swipe. They call it a murder, I replied, the stench of his stomach horrifying as Edgar flew out, covered in all manner of giblets and blood, clawing as he soared around the building. Murder! Murder, fat man! Papa's boy lives! He screeched, laughing as he flew to Nestor's side, calling softly at his unconscious body. The aura covering Cyril glowed brighter and sank into his flesh, the body shrinking and losing muscle mass before my eyes. Within a few minutes, he was barely anything but a skeletal frame with his stomach torn open. <laughs> Sitting back at the table within a stone throw of him, a plate of chicken wings, Aberdeen Angus steak, Sausages, beans, eggs, toast, and bacon waited for me. I knew there was no trick, no rotting food or human substitute this time. Just pure, delicious, carnivorous food. And I was going to savor it. I took my first bite, and the sound of a screaming pig filled the room. Raw and visceral, it was enough to shake anyone to their core, but my resolve was strong. I relished every bite. And as I made my way through the breakfast, each new bite adding a scream to the choir of suffering creatures. I looked straight ahead the entire time, ignoring the sound of Cyril crawling towards me and begging, weakly, for a morsel of food or another shot of Thanatos. Only when his hand touched my thigh did I look at him mid-bite of a sausage. <laughs> I need... I need to see her again. I know how this works. You see my sin in physical form. 
and I go with them to ascend. Can't get rid of me until then. Please. His eyes were sinking into his gaunt face, the beard now brittle and patchy, teeth yellowing and following out. I scoffed and bit down hard on the sausage, the juices spraying in front of him. Your sin was so powerful, so full of desire that it manifested around you and ate itself. You didn't wonder why you ballooned up and then deflated so quick? You are the Ouroboros, Mr. Monks. You feed upon yourself in the end. Or perhaps there's a better way to say this. Let me think. I turned away again and saw Edgar watching me, head cocked to the side and undoubtedly observing the best tactic to steal from me. I pulled a piece of my egg away and threw it in Cyril's open cavity. As expected, he drove straight in, rummaging up through Cyril's organs and causing him ungodly damage and pain in the process. But after the way he toyed with me, used information against me and put my loved ones through hell, I was unfazed. Perhaps I had ascended in my own way, grown a tad. I also knew the warden was watching. I wanted him to see that I was no longer going to play any games, not for our last two sins. This whole prison would know not to fuck with Nell Lockwood. As I finished my last bites and the death rattles of Cyril Monks faded with the agonized screams of the animals I'd eaten, I made sure he heard one last prophetic phrase before he left this world. Getting out of my seat, I stood over him on my way to rescue my friends. That which is gluttonous may eternal lie, and even in strange aeons, even you may die. Inmate 5933, Cyril Monks. Sin, gluttony. Food, a full English breakfast, complete with the screams of those we devour. I liked that one a lot. That was good. I also liked that you started off reading as like you were doing one of those Mojo top yeah. 10 countdowns. <laughs> Watch Mojo. Top Thanks 10. for watching. Watch Mojo. Top 10 Burger King foot lettuces. <laughs> Number one. That's how you were reading. Yeah. And uh, I hated it. And then you got you got more into the story and started like doing Nell's voice uh, very emotionally speaking and it disappeared completely and I was like okay he got into yeah. it um, that was your reason because uh, uh, like I said last time your truest intent is uh, that you have the soul of a troll <laughs> and uh, if you had said it's being a fucking troll you would have gone with it which, which said would that be the the troll sin? The troll sin. What's the troll sin of all of them? Um Probably Pride. Yeah, I guess. Because it's like a stubbornness that yeah. can't be weighted. Everyone else is fucking stupid with me. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that. Anyway. How you feeling? You ready to barrel through another one? Let's do it. <laughs> this time it's my turn. Although, like Everyone bear with me. I couldn't decide if that guy was Scottish, Irish, British, or what the fucking ever. But I, I tried I tried to do it. And uh, that's just what happened with that guy. I thought he had a, a northern English dance as well. Because what, what's north in England? Scotland, right? Yeah, isn't, but it's like... Isn't Scotland... So they're saying North England? Yeah, they're saying like Scotland? The, like a hot fuzz. North England. 
Oh shit! Like the farm people from North England, like oh, out of that's, London. That's like I have no idea what that. That's like near like. incomprehensible to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, okay, I did like old old Scottish I English think you thread, man. You thread the needle. I try, man. I fucking try. Wrath. This is a fun one. This is Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know, like we're on to Brad Pitt. What's in the box? Wrath is the last thing in a man to grow old, and I disagree emphatically. I think the penis is probably the last thing to grow old. <laughs> well, I heard it was the toenails and the teeth and stuff. Oh, like it keeps growing. Yeah, it's true. I don't know what that makes me think. Wrath is the last thing in a man to grow old. Yeah. Like, Are you saying that you, the the, someone stays angry? Because that's not sins. true at all. That's not true at all. That's not. Wrath is the shortest. Envy lift. grows old longer than wrath. Absolutely, envy can last forever. Wrath I mean, is like lust. Spont- lust as isn't. Less absolutely. I mean, yeah. rust, <laughs> lust, 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 lust gets off in in thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, lust is gone pretty pretty quick. Envy hangs around for a while. Gluttony hangs. Gluttony hangs. Gluttony's gluttony is gluttony is the top tier. Gluttony hanging. stays longer than wrath. A lot of things stay longer than wrath. So what does this fucking mean? All right, just two sins stood between us and the end of our time in this dismal prison. If you're just joining us, which you're not, my name is Nell Lockwood, and I'm the last sin eater. <laughs> my prior encounters are listed above in order. If you want to know more about me, you can find me. Hyperlink. I stared at the body of Cyril Monks, my meal complete and malice still surging through my veins. I can still see, feel, and sense his sins, every fabric of my being wanting so badly to hurt him further, an inescapable urge to sink my teeth into his face and bite off his nose, an urge so strong that I felt the feeling well up in me and stop at the gritting of my teeth. It was Nestor's labored breathing and cries of pain at seeing Buck that pulled me from that lapse in moral judgment. He called out, and before I could even step ahead, the doors flung open and the droves of the warden's men flooded the room, cordoning off the area and urgently attending to a still unconscious Buck. Well, you certainly proved you know your stuff, Frau Lockwood. The warden stood by the body of Cyril, looking down at him and tutting. I did not expect you to get physical, mit him. Ah, but this is the person you are becoming. Perhaps this prison is the right place for you after all, yeah? He jested, but his eyes were full of curiosity and a spot of joy, question mark. I did what I had to do, nothing more, but I'd like to rest before I take on the next inmate, if you please. I flatly replied, adrenaline steadily wearing off and the fatigue setting in. He stood up and cracked his neck, shrugging his shoulders and rolling up his sleeves. Des Tufus liebstes Murmelstück ist die lange Bank. He replied, shaking his head before looking at me and clarifying in English. The devil's favorite piece of furniture is... The bench. What you put off now for later allows the devil to win. Better to at least get it done sooner rather than later. Besides, this inmate is different. Number zero 
744 is a unique one that will take even you by surprise, I think. His name is Eldan Calico, 36 years old. You will have no trouble ascertaining what you need in record time of that, I assure you, in fact. He walked over to Nestor and inspected his wound, physicians attending to him as the others put Buck on a stretcher and took him out of the room in a hurry. Mit Holden and das Kraed Kray? 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 How would you say that? Uh, yeah. Yep. Kra. Sure. Kra. Edgar, with you. I don't think you even need my information. This will be a test in only your patience. I opened my mouth to protest, but what use was there in arguing with a megalomaniac? I simply sighed and made my way for the door. How long will Buck's surgery be? I asked, hoping to at least give myself some time to nap and eat. The food of the sins I ingested never filled me. I'd say six hours. If we're quick, use that time to finish this sin and rest up. I assure you that you'll be out within the hour. Grab something from the green room to eat and we'll patch up Herr Holden. You have twenty minutes. He sees the discontent in my face and his expression softens. I am testing you only because I believe in your abilities, Frau Lockwood. You are the bright star in this prison and I... I am so proud of you. With nothing else to say, I turned on my heel and took the long journey to the green room. I'm proud enough to admit that when my steely gaze was met with large indifference and the door finally closed, my body slumped against the back wall and I burst into tears, pulling my knees up to my chest as I sobbed. I failed them both. I was brash, I made mistakes, and it cost them both. Oh, Buck. Oh, Buck. Ah, oh, Buck. Within a few minutes of self-pitying, the elevator stopped and the green room was in sight, knees struggling to hold my frame up as I swayed from side to side, praying for coffee and sustenance that would provide some kind of boost. I put a coffee on and some sandwiches in my system. I slumped into my chair and felt my eyes flutter, if for a moment darkness enveloped me, flashes of images from my past, the smell of my mom's cooking, her begging me to stay indoors, the cool summer air, and thick brambles scratching my arms as I rushed towards an unholy light in the distance, a man with wide eyes beckoning me, a struggle, blood, searing pain. Then the figure standing in a fire pit, his body searing and chunks of his flesh melting and plopping onto the floor, rickety arms reached out in front of me and held up one finger each, his smile drooping into a frown as muscle tissue struggled to hold his lips together when the heat spread over his body. Dew. I snapped up, the pot of coffee was boiled, and it looked like I'd been out for a few minutes. Downing the coffee and getting changed in the restroom, I took a leap of faith and grabbed for the totem in my pocket, hoping I'd simply had a lapse in judgment, and it was perfectly fine. 
Instead, it was segmented into three distinct pieces, my eyes burning at the mere sight of it in that state. If it weren't for Nestor shouting at Edgar in the hallway, I'm sure my anxiety would have overtaken me. Damn it, Edgar, stop preening over my wound, it's fine! Nestor bellowed between intermittent owl as Edgar flew around and called softly, Help, Papa! Eat dead flesh! Helps, Edgar! He cackled, flying towards me and nuzzling against my neck as he landed on my shoulder, clearly trying to curry favor with me. I had to admit it was working. It's not dead flesh, Nestor protested, rubbing the sore wound and grabbing himself a drink. Miss Lockwood, uh, Nelly, we'll head up in a minute. You just keep that idiot son of mine busy so he doesn't try nibbling at my flesh, okay? He sighed and walked into the green room. All flesh, dead flesh, Edgar softly quipped before repeating, Papa, over and over, as I stroked him and felt a weak smile run across my face for the first time in so long. A moment of clarity I would come to appreciate and yearn for in time. What the fuck? <laughs> it's the it's the bird that draws you oh out. Oh my god. <laughs> What's the fuck? What's the all flesh dead flesh? At like, the end of the day, we're all dying, right? You know? I get busy guess. living, get busy dying. I guess, man. <laughs> Morgan Freeman said it. Yeah. As we stepped out into the visitation area, the guard saw us through and pointed us to the furthest room on the end, a large circular dome of sorts that on first inspection would be mistaken for an Ikea showroom. Furniture that had never been touched, sat upon, or utilized in any way was strewn about the place. A bookcase with nothing adorning it. A dining table that had makeshift plates and silverware, but no food. It was entirely bizarre, and sat in the center of it all was a meek man perched on a chair, with his hands nervously running over his well-ironed trousers, and occasionally fiddling with the collar of his shirt, as furtive eyes met ours, getting up with a wide, sincere smile and unwavering politeness. Ah, uh, you must be Madame Lockwood, a uh, pleasure. I'm Eldon. I'm sure you're tired, so I'll try to not to take up much of your time. He outstretched a shaking hand, and I simply stared at it, the smell rushing through my nostrils, but not enough to place its designated scent or reminiscent taste. He retracted the hand and rocked on his feet. Of course, probably not wise to touch me. I am an inmate here, after all, shall we? Nestor and Edgar took their spot nearby, Edgar teasing Eldon from afar, much to Nestor's chagrin. Flanders smells like sulfur. If Eldon took offense, he didn't show it, as we took our seats on op opposing sides of the dining table. I saw something moving in the dome, but I kept my focus on Eldon. So, Mr. Calico, why are you in here? I asked, watching his body language closely. If you don't mind me saying, you're a little different to our usual clientele. Was there a mix-up? This seemed to relax him, and he let out a hearty laugh. Perfect white teeth shimmering in the light, and giving him an almost holy visage. Ah, well... 
We all have our sins and our troubles, do we not? I'd made some mistakes, maybe upset a few people with my temper, but I'd much better. I'm, I'm much better now. It's a credit to this facility and hopefully to you for being able to take the remnants of those past life sins from me. The smell was beginning to grow unbearable and the surrounding pressure was growing heavy. I looked to Nestor before sighing and turning my attention back to Elden. Do you like children, Elden? I asked, feeling my knuckles grow white from the clenching. He cocked his head to the side and gave a sincere grin, kind eyes softly resting on me. Of course, children are the future, and I would distrust anyone who didn't enjoy their free spirit and open kindness. He leaned back and rested his hands on his lap. They are the future, truly. What other kind of answer is there? I took a deep breath in and held it in my lungs, letting the smell of sulfur burn inside me before I exhaled and felt the burning on my tongue. Do you like fucking them? I asked it as blunt as one could, letting the moment hang in the air as if I wished his fetid body to do. His smile was the first to fade. It twitched and rested as the corners were dragged down and the glimmering teeth shut off from my view. I persisted. You must do, since you continued doing it even after your community found out and excommunicated you instead of calling the police since the parents didn't want to press charges. You ensured that frightened girl was the first of so, so many. His aura was steeped in tar and trudged about the place, its stain marking every single section of the furniture. It touched in countless handprints, searing hot to the touch and full of unspeakable foul odors and liquids. The furniture only looks pristine on the outside, but once you get closer... That's your core fault, but now what put you here? Is it Mr. Calico? No, it's what you did upon the knowledge that the town was gathering evidence to put you away, to stop you seeing the child you fathered with one of those little girls. Because they were little girls, Eldon. You just got to one of them at a time where she could have kids, you fucking animal. I was finding it harder and harder to keep my cool. I could see exactly why the warden was testing me. He knew I'd sensed the man out before I even spoke to him. Eldon's eyes seemed to sink into his skull, pupils dilating and losing the bright hue they once possessed. He stood up from the table slowly and began breathing heavily, shoulders hunching as veins appeared on his neck, and still I persisted. You got angry. So angry, in fact, that you tore them apart with your bare hands and teeth, one by one. Twenty villagers, all massacred by your hand, including that of your own child. One swing and you silence his cries. You arrive here, you think you find God, wherever the fuck the whole nice guy act is, and you think you can pull the wool over everyone's eyes, even mine. I stood up and walked across to face him, some 15 feet separating us. Well, it took me nine minutes to figure out your shit, and I already know your sin. You know, wrath may be one of the oldest sins, but my God, is it easy to spot. The plate on my table started to fill. A blowfish finally cut with all the wrong parts waiting to be devoured. Elden breathing 
Eldon's breathing giving way to growls and grunts as his muscles grew and ripped his shirt, eyes growing vacant. Shut up! You know nothing of who I am! Fists smashed the table as I dove for the plate, finding cover and eating it as quick as I could. Eldon tearing furniture to bits as Nestor stepped in and Edgar flew overhead, rushing in to peck at his face before getting away. I felt the poisonous rage fill my body almost instantly, hot anger of the prior sins, the warden, of this fucking monstrosity in front of me. I no longer cared to see him eaten by a tulpa, whatever that sludge-addled creature was. I wanted him dead by my hand. My vision shook and I rose from the spot, knife drawn as I waited for a chance to mount his back and begin driving my serrated blade into his soft flesh. Finding a soft area on his shoulder blade, I made a point to drive it in to the hilt before pulling on it with all my body weight splitting the flesh. He was screaming. Good. I wanted him in pain. I wanted him upset. A boot to the face for good measure while he howled and bled onto the floor. The sludge tulpa ferried its way over to where Eldon sat, peering over at him curiously, but I wasn't done. Another boot to the face knocked him onto his back, and standing over him, my heart beating fast and wrath running through my body, I drove the knife straight into his groin with a screech I did not think I'd ever produce. Nestor simply stared in horror, and Edgar cried out, Nope! His cries of pain were music to my ears as the sludge tulpa sank over him and drowned out any notion of his anger, his pain, and his protests. Like being smothered, he fought back with extreme prejudice until the life steadily left him, and he was nothing more than a stuck pig on the ground. You weren't worth a proper conversation or anything close to it. I spat on his body before walking straight to the door, not even wanting to look back or stomach the smell of his sin any longer. We good, Nestor? Nestor shuffled and cleared his throat, knowing I was making my way for the infirmary to see Buck. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Guess it's time to be thankful whatever you ate don't last too long. Buck was still out cold when I got to the infirmary, his body racked with cuts and bruises. I was told his hand wasn't salvageable, and instead he'd be given a state-of-the-art prosthetic. I don't know how they did it, but this damn thing could actually flex and respond in the same way his flesh counterpart did. Still, seeing him like this, so damaged and hurt, I felt the blame overwhelm my wrath the moment I stepped near his bed. Eyes fluttering and gently opening to see me, that smile that could melt, the ice caps still prevalent in spite of his injuries. Always a pleasure, Nail. I take it you stopped that big bastard. He paused and I simply nodded, hand caressing his tired face. We ran into some trouble up there with you, Buck. Had some complications that required us to go on without you. Weren't personal just had to be done. Nestor shuffled, clearly not used to giving bedside words of comfort. But you needed to heal, you see. Heal? For some bumps and scr- <laughs> oh. oh, I see. 
His voice fell to a croaky whisper of affirmation as he flexed his hand, and mechanical fingers responded in kind. For a moment, I thought rage, misery, or despair would take him, but instead he laughed. Well, I knew I'd lose something vital in this job sooner or later. I'm lucky as got as far as I could, to be honest. And hey, now I got a badass fist to punch with and not worry about medical bills after. He laughed, and I felt my heart swell to bursting. I did this. I put him here. We've got one inmate left to go, a whole day to rest up, and then we'll be heading on over. Think you're up to the task. Nestor leaned in, and Edgar hopped off his shoulder and onto Buck's bed, looking up at him and cocking his head. Robocop! Metal Man! Even cooler! He caught as Buck gently patted his head, smiling. I'm the last and best McGraw they have. I can't very well expand the compendium from a hospital bed, can I? Let's get this bad boy calibrated and then get moving. I pulled the heavy book out of my bag and dropped it on his lap with an audible oof, smiling and breaking into a chuckle. Look on the bright side, Buck. You didn't lose your writing hand. We laughed, and it felt like the last few days were nothing short of a bad dream or a distant memory. But we knew we had one final sin to go and that it would be the largest obstacle to climb. No warden in sight, no prophetic illusions, just the knowledge we were moving ahead. As Buck opened the compendium, a dossier slipped out and fell on the side. Curious. We looked at it and saw the title on top. Prisoner inmate number 001. Opening it up brought more pain and sorrow than anything I could have been prepared for. Not because of the crimes they committed, of which there were countless. Not because of their sin or their tulpa, of which there was almost no info. No info. Save for the sin of pride but because of the name and the photo attached. The name and photo that I have burned into my brain for over a decade. The photo was of a disheveled woman in her fifties, deadness in her eyes and a prideful grin stretched across her face, bearing the sigil of the Church of the Duskwalker. Her name? Gwenlian Nia Lockwood. Inmate number 0744 Eldon Calico. The Butcher of Felixstowe. Sin. Wrath. Food. A blowfish filled with a poisonous rage that would infect and harm oneself as much as it did others. Say mob. Mom! <laughs> it's my mom! Mommy! Mom <laughs> Welcome to Watch Mojo. <laughs> Thank you. Top 10 ways to say mom. Top 10 twists. Mom. 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 Mommy. 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 <laughs> mama. 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 Oh my god, it's her mom! 
Yeah, I mean... And that's where we're going. That's where we're going. We're heading there. Wrath was fucking disappointing. So I guess I guess the the sentence at the beginning is ironic then. So it, it agrees with us. Wrath does not last at all. Wrath is short mm. and bitter and petty. Oh, right. The title of the section. Right. Maybe. But anyway. I think um, it's interesting how the story keeps evolving. And obviously... Um, so is she not going to get arrested for killing this guy or killing any of these people with well, the tulpas? But that's what the thing, right? She, like, the tulpas killed the first four people. And then she literally, with, like, a knife mm-hmm. or a crow or a crow and knife, killed the most recent two people. So, like, her, she, like, her emotions are evolving, right? She's not, like, a... a she's not... The, the tulpa's not responsible for the crime anymore. For the murder, she's yeah, actually. We, we have evolved out of yeah, that. She's actually doing the murders. Uh, crazy. So she's the judge, jury, and the executioner at that point, right? Judge Dread. Anyway, um, very interesting. Yeah. I, I wanted a lot more out of Wrath. I just mm. wanted, I just wanted something. I hear you. Um, because at this point, it seems almost like. Uh, Gluttony was more wrathful than wrath was. Well, I was going to say this during our intro, and, and maybe some listeners thought this as well. It almost seems like one of the twists that could happen is that all of these sins have been misnamed. Oh, that's fair. Right? Like, like the bee that was sucking up people's, like... Could be gluttony. Essence was really gluttony. And the, the two doctors that were... Harvesting everything. That's more envy. That was kind of more envy, or yeah. But it was greed. Right. So, like, what if all these sins have been misidentified? And what if one of these isn't like a sin? It's just a psychopath, and then no. Like, what if like <laughs> what if like the the thing is like the master plan is that you can eat this? I don't know. I don't fucking know. But what if? Well, I'm saying you're. You have to follow up that revelation with the seven revelation, which is that means Nell is the last remaining sin when she's, you. She's got to be. She's got to be. We're, but we're gonna do all the sins, so we haven't missed one. Oh, you think she's just gonna categorize herself at the end? I don't know. She's but gonna fall into one of these columns. I don't know, but the the seven thing, I think we're absolutely headed for. Interesting. It's gonna be a seven situation. I don't. I'm not saying no. Because we only got pride left. I mean, she it could be her son of pride. She kills her mom because of pride. Sure. She could steal her mom's last sin. Sure. Her mom can just die. And then she could kill someone. And then it would technically be... I don't know. I don't know, man. This can go so many ways. There are two more parts, but only one more sin, so that tells you this can go so many ways. Well, there's got to be like a, you know, after I killed my mom, I became a Spider-Man. I became a a Spider-Man. Right. Sin. That's what you said? Sin, (laughs) Spider-Man. Prisoner Tobey Maguire. Uh Oh. Sin, Spider-Man. I'll get over this sin when you fix the damn door. Right. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying right there. It's New York, baby. I forget where that's my problem. 
Anyway, um, this has been lots of pasta. You bring me 100 pictures of the Sin Eater before 4, four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's my... I don't want your nudes. <laughs> I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, we're having a, we're having a good time. We're having it. Uh, I hope everyone is enjoying Sin Eater. That episode was a little disappointing for me, but I liked Gluttony a whole lot. Some episodes are disappointing. Gluttony was cool. He should have been eaten by his own sin, though. (laughs) I have other friends. He, like, became a god at the end, didn't he? Who were, like, soul premiere. What? But you're so supreme. I give my life not for honor, but for you. In my time, I'm not gonna do the whole thing. I do. You did it on the last episode. I know. I have to do it on every episode. Wait till the day's end when the moon is high and it'll rise It's a tide with the lust for life out A mess of army and we'll run into horror And then we'll look across the land until we stand at the shore I'll wait till day's end when the moon is high and it'll rise It's a tide with the lust for life out A mess of army and we'll run into horror And then we'll look across the land until we stand at the shore